Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Milo and Ricky. Hello, champs. Hi, Steph. Hi, Steph. Excellent. Very good. Very good. Well, as we limp ever closer to the November 14th official end of mini-season start of Weirdo Winter World Cup time, muscles have have ached and bones have been breached. Spurs continue fourth in the table, and we're on top of our Champions League group. That fourth, incidentally, the hesitation was, we're continuing fourth, and we're fourth. It was sort of a, a joke, if you can get that. Anyway, um, let me uh, let me just say, I know, uses, and you should know that forth. usually we can see, yeah, exactly, strike forth. You should know that usually we can see each other, but uh, this week, due to the wonders of uh, dodgy internet and poor tech, uh, our cameras are off. So, um, actually, I realise I can probably get away with jokes without seeing people's pained expressions before I crack them. And maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that we're in the middle of, uh, we're coming to the end, rather, of a really weird period in, in, in Spurs history, season, and everyone's football season. And, you know, just quit your whinging out there before we start tonight and recognise the huge steps we have made. As Antonio Conte himself said when addressing his first year in charge, sometimes people like to speak and they don't understand what it means to face this difficult situation, what it means to play every three days with only 13, 14 players. What we are doing is important, and I repeat, we are trying to manage the situation in the best possible way. And to that end, we will be taking a perky, peaky and positive look back at today's game against Liverpool at the Lane and last week's winning Champions League group concluder at Marseille. Let's hope nobody left uh, the Marseille game early. As always, however, we start with the week that was. Son Young-min sustained a head injury in our 2-1 win over Marseille on Tuesday night. The club confirmed on Wednesday that he would and indeed has undergone surgery to stabilise a fracture around his left eye. Uh, And Antonio said in his presser tonight after the Liverpool game that he had sent him a message wishing him good luck um, post-surgery and suggesting that it was not impossible that Sonny might yet make the World Cup, which which is good news, isn't it, chaps? Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Kevin De Bruyne um, came back, was it 18 days before the Euros from a yeah. from a fracture of yeah. the nose and cheeks? So, yeah, I, I suspect yeah. that um, he'll be wearing a mask, but um, yeah, he'll, probably, he'll yeah. probably make the World Cup, which is good. And by the way, uh, for anyone who's wondering why I would possibly ask uh, and even leave in doubt that it's good news that Sonny might make the World Cup or not, I was also sort of testing our non-visual verbal cue <laughs> communication chaps so it's nice to know that that works as well and yeah it is also good news um <laughs> we're to use the force tonight haven't we oh yes <laughs> indeed indeed as a matter of fact usually we kind of parlay the the week that was smoothly between myself and milo but tonight i'm going to go all analog and milo why don't you read the next item in the week that was uh, this week we found out that Eric Dyer had sent his England shirt from his international return against Italy last month to Gian Piero Vetroni's family with the following message to the Vetroni family. Gian Piero helped me wear this shirt again. I will carry his values every day with me. Best wishes, Eric. And that was shared by Gian's um, son on, on Instagram. So uh, with a really nice message back at back at uh, Eric Dyer. So uh, nice. I think it was a really nice touch, really thoughtful doing that. And yeah. um yeah, just kind of just further evidence, isn't it, of kind of the the impact he had on the on the squad in such a short period of time. And there was a um, interview with Doherty in the Observer today where he mentioned him again. So yeah, it keeps coming up, doesn't he? Yeah. We also found out on Friday that Eric Dyer has got engaged to Anna Modler. Um, so congratulations to Anna and Eric. I, I was wondering whether Dowie might be best man at the wedding. Um, no, I doubt it. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have Dowie for best man. What they they are quite chummy though, Ricky. I mean, you've got to admit they do seem to get into an awful lot of uh, shenaniganry with with each other. Friendly shenaniganry. Who do you think would organise the better stag do? Doey or Delhi? Hmm. Oh, well, I'd rather go with Delhi. I'd rather go with Delhi stag do, I think. I've got a sneaky feeling that um a Delhi stag do might not be as completely what Eric would want these days, I don't think. <laughs> I think he'd want to stack through down the allotment, I, I think. Something like that. You see, you see, I'm, I'm with you. You see, I, back back in my youth, maybe a deli stag would have been good. But in my, uh, you know, in my, yeah. my mid-50s as I am, sort of quite like the idea of a doughy stag, actually. It's probably, you know, card games mm. and, you know, as you say, down the allotment. I'm like, <laughs> yeah they, they have imagine let's let's all see who can plant turnips in their underwear of the fastest <laughs> <laughs> 
So we found out in the summer, didn't we, that um, Dyer, Dowie and uh, Kane have a film club when they're on the road and um, they take it in turns and they have to pick a film that the others haven't seen. So it's going to be, I mean, kind of Jim Jams and, yeah. and uh, Popcorn and a Top film Gun 2. doesn't sound... <laughs> Jim no. Jams, Popcorn, <laughs> and Top Gun Two, isn't it? You, you know it. You know it would be Top Gun Two, don't you? <laughs> I, I think I should apologise for that, but I'm not. I don't quite know what. I mean, I know why I should apologise for it because it's a heinous suggestion that anyone would enjoy that film. But I, <laughs> oh dear, is this? Are we? Do, is this pod turning into the blind? The blind no look pass that Emerson Royal. <laughs> played in the first oh, is that what is. we're up to here lads is that what's going on <laughs> we're knocking everything straight out of play aren't we basically no well and we're there already we're there and this is what you're getting with this week's no look slide pass behind like you know just see if someone can spot that ball and run into the space naturally without even seeing it coming liverpool at home we're already there Ricky's brought us there. Uh, let's yeah. let's let's rewind a little bit and start with the team selection. I mean, because let's face it, we should give our thoughts on the team selection. I will start because I can't see any of you, so I can't see any groans when I say that, and <laughs> so I can. I quite like this, uh, Milo. We should maybe do this more often. Um, I, I I thought it was a brave selection, considering uh, that you know the various injuries that he's got going and the the players that couldn't you know, um, physically step up to the plate and have been hurt. And, you know, the likes of Decky coming back to full fitness. So I thought it was quite a brave uh, selection and uh, to, to put Perisic, you know, playing in that uh, that role just off Harry Kane there. Uh, so I don't know. I thought it was a, I thought it was the best selection he could have made given the fully fit players he had available. How's that? Who wants to top that? I won't top that. I'll just agree with that. As you say, I mean, we've, without we've possibly more playing and being 3-4-3, or um, and obviously he's not going to risk Decky. I mean, the other thing with Decky and even Mora is if we're going to have a kind of um, trademark languid kind of um, weird first half, then if you're going to go for it in the second half, then that'd be the best time to get some minutes out of those two. So um, uh, yeah, and obviously Liverpool are a threat. I mean, I say a threat. I mean, I don't think they've been playing that well, have they? Really, and I don't think they played brilliantly today. They're definitely not the team. They don't look like the team they were. And just making sure we were not outnumbered in the middle and also um, with Heiberg and Bentecourt being able to provide some kind of forward support, I think, to the two people up front who obviously are not as pacey as some of the other people that normally play for us. <laughs> Very nicely put. You know, you, you list all the players who are out and, yeah, I mean, I think it's remarkable we played as well as we did, really. You know, you think, you know, you know Romero out, Decky, Richarlison, Son, they're all you know, key core players. So um, I was a little nervous before kickoff, particularly about the lack of pace up front. Um, but actually, I think it worked reasonably well. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've asked, you know, how did we play overall? Why don't you just carry on? I mean, what, how did we play overall in your opinion, Milo? And then Ricky, you follow, and then I'll come in uh, off, off off the back there with a blind through ball from one of you. I thought we played okay i think if we just take the kind of the first half certainly the second goal we gifted them i don't think we deserve to go in two nil down at uh at half time i thought you know liverpool had periods where they were dominant but they didn't dominate the half as a whole and i think we had periods of the half where we were playing very well you know albeit within a you know as we've come to expect kind of slower slower first half as opposed to kind of all out second half but I thought, yeah, I thought we played pretty well. Um, we had chances. Alexander Arnold was very, very handsy all game. And, you know, we could have got a penalty there. Perisic had a, a header off the crossbar, didn't he? So there was a few chances there. Second half, I thought we were, I thought we played really well. You know, as, as Ricky's already said, I mean, this Liverpool team, their levels have dropped off a bit from where they were, you know, a season or two ago. Um, but they're still a decent team. They've still got decent players. And, I thought we completely dominated them in the second half, you know, in a way that I don't think many teams will this season. So, yeah, considering, you know, where we started off with the kind of selection and the injury problems and, you know, the fact that Decky and Mora, you know, only got half an hour, you know, 20 minutes in them, I thought that was really impressive. Um, the way afterwards, I thought if I was to divide this game up into its individual kind of 
I think, what did we end up with? 94 minutes mm. and, and counted how many minutes we played well for. I think this was probably one of our best performances. It was 94 minutes and it should have been 99 or 100. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. I'm going back on by. I think that was just one of his one of his thousand mistakes, Steph. We'll get onto him probably, won't we? Absolute toss pot. <laughs> Save it. Save it. Okay. You're sorry, mate. Ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Jumping okay. Ahead. Very good. Just because the camera's off. Yeah. Yes. I must not play Lucas Moore a chaos ball. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I'll try and play to shape and structure. I'm sorry. I'm going to do an audio description there, Steph. My eyes were rolling and my and I was frowning. All right. So just <laughs> just imagine that. Oh, fantastic! Don't tell me that. My encouragement. <laughs> so, anyway, sorry, Ricky. I've interrupted. So yes, the sort of the, the amount of minutes we played well for, I thought actually stacked up to quite a lot in this game, much more than um, plenty of other games where we might have even got better results. Um, as but overall, I mean, some ways to look at it is I think that's I think they were saying in commentary that's the fourth game in a row we've gone two 0 down. So regardless of how that comes about, that isn't really that healthy. I mean, you can't be coming back from two 0 down every week. Yeah, I think we match them. I think some of their players. We're anonymous, I think. Mm-hmm. Even in midfield, we were better than them. Is it Chargo? Did nothing for them, I don't think. And I think Benton Core and Hoiberg once again showed they're the heartbeat of the team, I think. It was just unfortunate the way it developed and that. I mean, you was at the game, Steph. So, I mean, I, I mean, if I can take it up to the first mm-hmm. goal, I thought it was a real blow. And what I was surprised yes. with, for the first two minutes, three minutes after the game, and you'll know this because you're in the stadium, I thought... Oh, I don't think we're going to wrap very well to this because it really felt like the crowd. It really popped a balloon in there, or like the atmosphere, wow. and it was almost like yeah. it, it was like a Groundhog Day reaction. I think by the crowd thinking, "Oh, here we go again." But within after three minutes, we were then started really getting hold of the game again mm. and going at them. But um, which was which was good. It was a start. I have a major problem with fans at the stadium who boo. I have a major problem with the fans booing at half time. Uh, well, I had a major problem with the fans booing Eric Dyer for a start. You know, listen, let's just put this on the table because it is a question that we're going to come to in detail. But, I mean, I love the man. It was a terrible mistake. They do get made, but you have to look at the sum total of what someone gives you. Uh, I don't think that anyone of our players should be booed when they try as hard as that man does week in, week out. And I certainly don't think the team should have been booed off at half time. That was awful. And uh, yeah, I thought we were quite. I thought the crowd actually, when the crowd got behind the team, it was noticeable how much better the team played. So this is not rocket science, and it's not even a theory. It's a fact. After the after Kane scored, it was deafening. It was absolutely deafening. And you really thought we weren't just going to come back and draw that we were going to win. So, I, I, look, you, you pick up the booing point. I think the crowd have a major, major role to play. And I think that we need to put our big boy pants on. And when things are tough, we need to we need to push push harder as a fan base. I think it'd be interesting to know whether it's chicken and egg, whether the fans get behind the team when they're playing well or whether the team play well when the fans are getting behind them. That's a good, that's a very good point. Don't actually. know the answer to that. Probably a bit of both. You know. I thought booing the team off at halftime was pathetic. Yeah. It wasn't a poor first half performance. You know, if, if we've actually stanked the place out, I'm not a fan of booing. I, I would never boo the team full stop. But if we stank the place out, then, you know, I can at least understand it. But that wasn't a stinking the place out. It was a good goal and then, you know, a horrendous mistake. That was the difference between between the teams at half time. And I don't think you ought to be booing players for that. And I think, you know, it wasn't even as if we'd been pinned back on the edge of our own box, which is, you know, what we've seen, you know, quite a bit recently. I thought but you know, we played through Liverpool quite well and, and created decent chances. But yeah. you know, Salah is yeah. a, you know, is a very good player and we'll take take them. I haven't even really got into how I thought we played overall. I thought it was probably one of our best performances in the last two months. There were spells in the first half where we certainly didn't, you know, necessarily cover ourselves in glory. But I thought for a good half an hour, we were clearly the better team. I thought we created several really good chances. I think once again, you know, uh, this is something we, we discuss often. I think our wing backs could have done better with some of the opportunities they got. I mean, I particularly felt that Cess got into some really good positions and didn't perhaps make the most of them. Uh, I think the referee has um, not given a penalty that will be given in 99% of games you see in the Premier League this season. Um, heinous. I think that Perisic, uh, I, I, from where I was, he hit the post with that header. I, I wasn't sure. Maybe it was the bar. Um, but first off, I thought he hit the post. Brilliant ball from Harry. And, uh, you know, we were we were adventurous. We were trying to push the game up. We were playing a lot higher 
higher. Uh, you know, we were we were we weren't sitting back. Uh, I, I thought I thought we looked pretty. I thought Bissouma looked pretty tidy. Um, I, I thought it was a pretty strong first half. And you have to say that Eric's absolute howler. And it was. There's look. I defend Eric Dyer week in, week out, week in, week out. But there's no defence of that. It was an awful mistake. Um, regardless of, uh, of of Antonio trying to mitigate it by saying, uh, but he's trying to explain it tactically in the press conference, which I thought was was very sweet of him. But it was an awful mistake, and that sucked the wind out of the sails. We kind of saw both sides of Eric's game today, didn't we? Obviously, we did. You, know, you just said about the howler there, uh, <laughs> but. In the second half, I thought it was a real threat going forwards, yeah. you know, particularly from those wide positions. And it's quite interesting. Yeah. We've seen this a couple of times since, you know, since was it, this is the third game he's played on the, uh, the right of a three. And it's, it's almost back to kind of when he first got into the team yeah. under, under Poch, where he played as a, yeah. as a right back. Um, yeah. playing that position has allowed him to get forward and, and get into those positions and get crosses in. And he looks dangerous there. Yeah. So what do we think of him? At, what do we think of him at right centre back? It's probably taking it over three games rather than just one. But what do we think of him in that position? Well, first of all, to your point uh, about the, the crossing. I mean, in the first half as well, he was playing. He's actually we we chuckled that he's become. You know, he's the ne- he's Michael Dawson. He's not a Toby standards yet, maybe with that ball, uh, that diagonal. But he certainly was putting some 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 wonderful balls out there to Cess. I thought in the first half, some really good long balls. So uh, to your point, I, I think he's very viable. I mean, you know, it's it's tough to evaluate him uh, today because we're, we're always going to think about the mistake when we look back at this Liverpool game. We're not going to talk about, well, he was actually really progressive in the second half and he was, you know, but I think I think he did very well. I think he did very well, especially considering he had committed such a heinous error. <laughs> you know, he could have fallen apart at that point, but he's a professional. So I like him there. I like him more in the centre with, with Romero beside him, I have to be honest, but I think it's. I think it works. You know, would it work if we had a, a Devridge or or if we had you know one of these uh, you know big European Skirina? I know I'm butchering the names. I apologise to our dear listeners. Yeah. Um, if we had one of those big centre halves in beside him and he was playing on that side, uh, you know, when Christian Romero is not fit, yeah, I think it would work well. I mean, I I think really. I mean, the evidence around it at the moment is just clearly split in two really it's just when he's when we when we have the kind of initiative in the game and we're pushing for just like when we were chasing Bournemouth in the second half he really is effective he's, he's very good at just positioning positioning himself on that right hand side and he kind mm. of reads the game there quite well and the other thing mm. I do remember from that Poch era when he did play on the right the boy could cross I always remember he was a really awesome crosser of the ball and of course I mean he doesn't get to practice that that much. I mean, he might do in training, but he certainly doesn't in the game. He, he as you say, alluded to, he, he does the big diagonal one. But um, mm. what I would say at right centre back, I mean, I love him at centre centre back. I think he's just he, he's pretty safe there, and he he enjoys that position as well because he sees everything in front of him. But um, yeah. I think the only thing at right centre back was I think in that first ten minutes it did seem like they did target him slightly yeah. with a pacey ball over the top because they knew Nunes might have the legs on him. And that would be my only worry because obviously that's going back in the other direction. That's going towards our goal. But I think when we're in control of games, there's no real, I think he's a great option there. I mean, definitely with Royale as well. That was definitely, they targeted that area. I agree, I agree with you, Ricky. I think, you know, if you think of him when he was playing left centre back for Mourinho, he had a problem on the turn. So he'd, he'd get forward and then a ball in behind and he'd be, he's slow on the turn. And he still is slow on the turn, and I, I think I think you're right. I think Nunes got in behind him a few times in the in the first ten fifteen minutes, and he was struggling with it. I thought he adapted well at right centre back. I mean, I, I much prefer him to Sanchez. Yeah, I think it's a viable option, and I think it, you know, as I said last week, I think it gives us some interesting options in the in the transfer window. Now, um, you know, we definitely need reinforcements there. Sanchez and Jaffet definitely aren't in favour, so I think. You know, both of them probably need to move on and we need, you know, a couple of players coming in. But it gives us a lot more flexibility with Lenglei able to play, you know, a couple of positions. Dyer able to play, well, three. Dyer can play right the way across the back three, can't he? I think that's definitely worthwhile with Dyer uh, sort of talking about his versatility. Because obviously, like you said before, he's played right back and he's even played a defensive centre midfield. So, um, and we, we've never, we've never... We've never not praised his leadership qualities as well. So to even think of like replacing him 
in the squad would just be I just I just don't think that'd be a good uh, avenue to go down really. I think he's it'd be ludicrous, I think. You have to have these solid characters around the club as well. And I know that sounds like well that that doesn't count on the field, but I think it does. I think it does. Just as the our poor fitness coach who left us, you know what I mean? Ricky, it does count. Yeah. Yeah. It counts on the field and it counts in the dressing room and it counts in, 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 in the office, on the coach, on the plane. Whenever you're wearing the colours of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, a character like Eric Dyer counts. That's why it hurts me so much to say that effectively his mistake has ended up costing us the game and why it hurts me to say it was a howler. Because, it, you know, if ever you could deserve not to make a mistake based on who you are to the employers you work for, it would be Eric Dyer. He didn't deserve it. He did it, and I wish he hadn't because it was fucking horrendous. But he remains for me an invaluable member of the squad, and I challenge anyone to argue with that. I think, if you don't mind, I think we should just move on. I think we're all in agreement, aren't we? I mean, we're all in agreement with this. Yep. I agree with that. I mean, the only reason I say it in that way, Steph, is because there'd be a long queue of people that wouldn't would try and argue it with you. And that's just really annoying. No, I know. But let's talk about Ivan Perisic, who uh, I will say, actually, someone did tell me that they thought he could have done better today. And I was like, well, we're watching the same games. And he's a great lad. He's a great, great, great friend of mine, actually. And uh, I was sort of like, really? <laughs> we're watching the same game. I thought Perisic was, was excellent today, by and large. Uh, maybe a little, maybe an inch off on his finishing. <laughs> if you can criticise a man for missing a header like that, which was a bullet off the post, and for taking that shot first time off the bar, I don't know. But I mean, I thought he played really, really well. I, I think you might be overegging it a bit there. I think he was, <laughs> he was certainly game. I, I think, I think he played well. Maybe not really, really well. But I think you know you can't fault, um, you can't fault his effort. And you know, you know, for all you know, for all that, you know, he was millimeters away from scoring two goals, wasn't he? From uh, you know, he had, he had one off the crossbar and one off the, the off the upright. So I think he probably did as well as we could expect in that position, yeah. uh, in that side. I think he's played in that area of the pitch before for other clubs, yeah, obviously, yeah. but I don't think recently. So you have to give someone a little bit of leeway when they're they're slotting into a position they're not hundred percent familiar with in recent times. So um, uh, I thought, no, I thought he was. I mean, he's obviously a very intelligent player, so you're always going to get something good out of him because he can manage connect with other players on the pitch. And I think he. I mean, the problem when you're up front sometimes is when you're his age, you're probably just a bit half a yard slower than you were 10 years ago. So, and that does sometimes count, especially I think their other centre half at the back, is it Kanati or something? Mm, Yeah, I think think he's obviously quite a tough, yeah, I think he's quite a tough player to play against. But um, overall, he was all right. I think some of his um, set plays weren't quite as good this week, but he does set a high bar with that, doesn't he? Let's face it, you expect everyone to be kind of a bit of a peach, but um, no, I think overall he did, uh, yeah, he played, I think he played well. I think, yeah, it's definitely, it could easily be a 8 out of 10, I think, if you want to give it on the old on the old football scale. Yeah. I particularly enjoyed it when he um, switched to left wing back and um, pretty much the first thing he did in that position was give Alexander Arnold uh, a shove, which he'd been doing to everyone else and particularly Cesc. Uh, all game up till then so it was a real kind of kind of agent experience showing yeah I enjoyed that he uh, he certainly a couple of times uh, I think I felt that he kind of showed a couple of our other players especially Cesc who was up against Alexander-Arnold at one point in the first half he just sort of went just sort of chased him down and, and, and took a ball off him and was sort of like this is how you do it you know, you gotta gotta get in this guy's face and and do it. Yeah, I mean, look, you're probably both right. I probably have over over egged it a little bit. I just he put over that wonderful ball that Kane got a flick on, and I just cannot understand how. I think it was Bentoncourt and Lucas were both on the back post. I just don't know how one of them yeah. didn't bounce it in off their ass. I have to look at it back again. I haven't had the benefit of replays. It seemed harder to miss that chance than not, and that was once again another beautiful Perisic delivery was that, that caused it. It was only millimeters wide, but I think um, I think Allison had it covered. So with that, I said I stopped back and counted it. We had seven seven players in the box for that. Wow! They're kind of late in the game, that second half, yeah. we were just really, really, really. Getting yeah. so many men forwards. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I thought in that second half, we really did take it to them. And then there was a slight worry for a while where 
Liverpool did have some counter-attacks where we look a bit short in places, mm-hmm. but they kind of fizzled out and we just took more and more control. And it was just it was just so annoying that we couldn't manage to get a little bit. And I think some of us have said on our chat, some of it was a spin of a ball and a, and a kind of just falling the wrong side or not quite going for us. So frustrating, though, because let's face it, they are one of the more average teams to have come to uh, the lane this season. They really are. They weren't up to it, really. They weren't all that, Liverpool at all. And it's especially frustrating because it's the first time I've seen Liverpool very, very beatable uh, in, in some in some years. And, and, and I, I really, that second half alone, I mean, I fully expected when we got the first goal, I thought we we're going to win it, that we we're going to win it 3-2 because they're just not, yeah. they're not, they're not very good. And that's probably the biggest disappointment is that we didn't get what the second half deserved. And, you know, we're back to first halves being slower. And although this one wasn't, I mean, I don't know. It was just very frustrating. I mean, I'm, I'm going back on myself now. And this is something Gareth, uh, who I saw at the stadium, we were talking about this afterwards. He actually said, you know, the narratives are going to be the same. It's going to be, we didn't show up for the first half, we showed up for the second half. Uh, but in his opinion, uh, you know, we showed up for both halves. And, and I think he's right. Even more for the second, we will say. But I think that's right. I think, um, I mean, Ricky, we were talking during the game about the commentators yeah. um, kind of uh, commentating on the scoreline rather than the performance. <sighs> And I, I thought that was a problem on with uh, a midweek game as well. And there is a narrative now that we're slow starters. You know, we're kind of forty-five minute men, and you know that's going to get trotted out. You know, we've talked quite a lot before on here, haven't we, about narratives and how mm. uh, yeah. you know the press like a narrative, and then everything gets framed around that, or, or you know, try to fit. They try to fit it around that, and I don't. You know, I mean, the scoreline reflects that but i don't think the performance does today no i agree i agree let me let me ask you both quickly about a couple of players um uh we could talk about the whole team but these two players in particular warrant a little extra discussion um he's basuma who it seems is finally getting to grips with what conti wants when we play that three in the three in the middle and of course we finally got to see our ginger swede uh decky back on the pitch um chaps what do you think or what did you think i thought that was Basuma's best performance in a Spurs shirt. I thought he looked he looked really good, and uh, you know, particularly in the second half, uh, I thought he used the ball really intelligently, and I thought he was really good today. Um, I was really impressed. There was, a, I think, it was, the, it was the first half where he did uh, Nunes for a pace, which I th- I was yeah. I didn't quite realise he was that fast because um, mainly we've seen him so far, you know, doing kind of sh- you know shuttle runs over a short That's distance, right. but. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was pretty impressive. But yeah, overall, I thought he was really good. Decky, it's just so great to see him back. I mean, I think with his second touch, you know, second touch, he, he creates the goal, doesn't he? And showed exactly what we're missing. And I think, you know, you know during the World Cup, we'll, we'll do, you know, do an episode where we look through forward to the transfer window. But other than a right wing back, I think the priority's got to be some cover for him because that craft... Yeah, we've we've so missed that these last you know month six weeks. Yeah, Basuma is definitely he's starting to show his kind of physicalness like he would when he was at Brighton. He's doing that kind of marauding, marshalling, closing people down. The thing I quite like he does is he's he can be very physical and get his body in and get his foot in, but he's he's still quite keen to come away with the ball when he does mm. that rather than just smash someone in a typical kind of Stevie Gerrard way but um no he's he's, he's definitely so that and the good thing about that is it doesn't then interrupt the play almost then starts the next phase of play for us he can steal the ball and and then uh pass it on and we can go from there but um and Decky, well it's just another um it's like that other time do you remember that other time when he sat out a game or two and then he came on I think for Mora mm. and then basically scored or set up two goals within 20 minutes or something and it was just like it was earlier in the season wasn't it when Richardson yeah. was getting and favoured above him for a few games, which was just really puzzling. Yeah, we so miss him when he's not there. One thing on Basuma briefly, I think he might be rival. He's got a touch of the Scott Parkers in terms of the 360 spin yeah. with the ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's doing it quite a lot in these last few games. But he's 100% really, um, when he's going to be fully on his game, he's, he's another one of them kind of players where it's just so hard to get in around him or try and do what he's doing to you basically he's just he comes out on top so often I think that he's going to be a good it's going to go well in the end I think I'd agree with that I think we could do with uh well we probably couldn't for what this team needs uh but we could do is sticking with the shape so as he can get repeated games in this shape 
and and keep playing himself into the full understanding of both what Conte wants and what the players around him are all about. Uh, but I agree, there's certainly a bit more synergy uh, developing and this was probably his most synergetic game. I would agree with that. And as for Decky, look, I mean, not only could we talk about the assist, but he's, you know, suddenly we're getting that, you know, that cut inside and vicious you know, swerving ball in towards the back post into sort of that corridor of uncertainty, as they would say. Uh, and, you know, a little rusty today in places with that ball, but it was still so dangerous that Liverpool, you know, were, were scrambling. And you, you just, you yeah. can't wait to have him back. And you just think, well, how many of these games would we have gone ahead in had he started? I mean, we wouldn't be the team that's going behind. We'd be the team that's going ahead. He's that good. Uh, yeah, and, you know, you could see that, Kind of Liverpool changed how they were setting up as soon as he came on the pitch because yeah, they were smart. Yeah, they knew that yeah. he offers something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing, to, you know, briefly on Basuma and getting around the games, I, I think he'll probably start next weekend against against Leeds. Um, you know, we're still we're still short on numbers, and I, I wouldn't I'd, I'd expect us to um, start with a you know five man midfield again. Yeah, one of the you know options we've got for January. You know, we don't need. A like for like replacement for for Decky necessarily. We need someone with his skill set, and the, you know there's different ways you can line up. And I think one of the options we ought to be considering is uh, you know a creative number six. So Basuma and um, uh, you know uh, Bentancur or Hoybier, could, you know, or Skip can play e- you know either side of them and and create from deep. And you know it's different. You know it gives you different options within the squad rather than um, you know we want a clone of this player, we want a clone of this player, and we'll only ever play in one way. Um, I, I think that might be an option, and I think that might be an interesting way of um, uh, you know, of tackling that issue. And then, obviously, against teams that sit back, then you can you can play both of them. And, I'd love it. Uh, you, you've got more options. I don't think there's a supporter that disagrees with you. It's just a case of whether Conte wants that, isn't it? I mean, it's really that simple. He's done it before. So it's not, I, I don't think it's a case of, I don't think Conte is like set and I have to play this way or I have to have these players to play in this way. I think he, you know, within a couple of different uh, ways of playing, he, he will pick his best players, you know, with what he's got. Well, time will tell, as the old chestnut says. Um, and the next bit of these notes uh, have something that, uh, you know, Milo and I do these notes. My, Milo starts the notes and I come in and, and chip away at them. Um, and there's a question here that says, I hate to ask questions about the ref. Uh, well, no, I don't actually. Um, and so I'm going to say, I don't hate to ask any questions about this ref today. Uh, I thought he was terrible. Um, I thought we could easily have got two or three penalties. Uh, but I will ask both of you chaps, are there, were there any particular decisions? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> so, I did write that bit. You changed the first bit, but um, I, was, I was just trying to be gracious. And, um, you know, there's no grace when someone doesn't do their job properly in that in, uh, repeatedly. I can't give them any grace. You're a nicer man than I am. I'm not giving uh, Madeley any grace whatsoever. I thought he was awful. Um, but uh, I'll ask both of you. I mean, I've, I think you've both got the idea that I think we should have uh, had a clear penalty and quite possibly that the boot uh, towards uh, Lucas's head possibly warranted uh, something for, for foul, uh, dangerous play i think uh but r- r- that aside what do you chaps think i mean you know were there any decisions in particular that left you feeling aggrieved i mean you can maybe hear in my voice i mean i i, I actually did give him some serious pelters today i was appalled do um do we know how many uh how many players actually did get booked because did he actually go did he Don't book anyone he apart from conte yeah, this is what any... i thought i couldn't believe he absolutely booked no because i think i think alexander arnold Definitely deserved a booking for that second push. Do you know, he pushed him over the other time, over on mm. the left wing. Mm-hmm. And I think even Ben Davis done various things that I thought he could have got booked for today. And um, uh, but yeah, he was he was completely rubbish. The ref. I've, I don't really know which ref it is. I've noticed him much before, but I just thought he was. I thought Mora should have actually play acted more with that boot in the face. I'd have definitely been a bit disappointed if I was Conte that Mora didn't sort of roll roll around ten times. Just to support what you said, Ben Davis did uh, get away with one. He got away with a clear yellow. So when I say the referee was 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 awful, uh, I mean it was awful all know, round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I personally feel that he gave us nothing. But you know, yeah, it's fair to say that the statistics are bearing out. He gave very little to anyone. Though. So so I mean, I I think looking for a ref. Looking at a ref, you want to make sure that they, or ideally, you want them to be consistent, you know, through yeah. a game. And I thought he was even-handed, so it's not as if he, you know, we got nothing and then Liverpool got everything. I thought, I thought he, you know, yeah, ref the game the same for both sides. In terms of the kind of three penalty chances, you've got Alexander Arnold. 
Um, his push on Cess, I mean, there's definitely contact there. I don't think it was enough to force Cess down, but you see them given regularly. Um, so it's one of those that if it's given, it's not going to get overturned on VAR, but if it's not given, it's not going to get overturned on VAR. The Kanate um, trip on Kane, contact was just outside the area. Obviously, he travelled through and went down in the area. I thought that was probably a free kick. Um, the high boot, it's another one where you regularly see them given. There wasn't contact, I don't think. Um, but you don't really like to see people waving their boot around that high. I mean, you know, I mean, I know Mora's pretty short, but <laughs> uh, even so, it's, um, yeah, it, it felt a bit, yeah. um, you know, it, 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 it's dangerous. I mean, it wasn't as if his studs were going towards Mora, but yeah, you don't really want to see boots there. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think you, you'd quite often see, you know, one or both of those given. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Um, yeah, because I don't think Mora sort of bent his head down particularly. But then again, Tiago. I mean, although this doesn't necessarily count when they give a decision, I don't think Tiago kind of knew he was doing it either. He sort of turned around to lift his foot up to kick the ball, and Mora's head yeah. happened to be there. But um, but I mean, that's not. I don't think that exonerates someone from a, a decision. But the penalty, as in the push in the back penalty. I mean, I just think. Uh, I just think that's a penalty because I think I was here in the. Did you see the Cancello? Did, did you say the Cancello sending off off yesterday? Mm. Did you see that? So, so yes, uh, the refer- So the referee who sent off Cancello yesterday was today's VAR ref. That's just, right. Just, yeah. Right. So carry on with your story. I think it's interesting. Well, that's what. I'm, well, that's what I'm kind of getting at because I think the way Cancello did it, there was more force with what Cancello did but I think there was just more what I would call football in it i.e. he was trying to get his shoulder in and get his leg across which is an attempt when what Trent Alexander-Arnold did was nothing he didn't wasn't like trying to do anything with the ball he literally just put his arm in his back and pushed him and I think I think there was enough force there to fall over and but we probably just returned to what Milo was saying which is like you know it'd be given and people wouldn't moan and it wouldn't be overturned and if it's not given VAR's not going to do it the other way either so yeah, that's where I, we are unfortunately again, like we of. have to hold referees to a standard and you know that is a standard that needs to be met uh, a decision of that nature needs to be made you can't keep on not making decisions in a football match and not giving cards mm. and not doing this and you can't not as a, i mean you have to referee the game and i just felt he failed to referee the game today i mean you you, you can't yeah. if you if there's yellow cards to be given give them if there's a penalty decision to be made, make it. Don't bottle it on every single count because you're trying to quite unquote have an even flowing game. I'm not buying that. I thought it was really poor. To Milo's point as well, uh, you know, he was he, he was even handed in the sense that he didn't book anyone. But that's also a problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, if there's bookings so. to be given, I, give them. <laughs> oh, he, booked, he, booked, I, I, he booked Conte, I think. <laughs> no, that's right. Which is which is an again pathetic. I mean, which my word. Yeah, pathetic. Well, yeah. Arteta, Arteta spends all season running up and down the line and jumping about like a, some like a like a jack a jacked up jack in the box, and he gets nothing. I mean, come on, come on. Something has to give here. So let's just go to closing thoughts. One positive and one negative. In 30 seconds or less, chaps. Uh, Milo, why don't you go first? Ricky, why don't you take up the second and I'll go last? So three, two, one. So positive, I, I think in the second half, it's been our best performance since, I think probably since the international break. And overall, I thought we were pretty strong. So yeah, I think you play that game 10 times. I think we win that seven or eight of them. So, you know, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it was one of those two or three. Um, and the obviously negatives is just, you know, mistakes cost us. Uh, my positive is considering the injuries we were carrying, I think it did go a load better than I thought it was going to. And I, I mean, I'd slightly temper that with, um, uh, I mean, Liverpool's reputation is massive, but I don't think they're showing that reputation this year. So um, they've played some quite bad games against other teams. But um, and my negative is um, you just can't four games in a row going two 0 down is not something that we can sustain in any way, shape or form. Agree with both of you. I would say for me, just to add my uh, bit to it, uh, I thought it was probably one of the best performances we, we've had in some time. Uh, I was extremely energised by the way we attacked the task today, uh, even in the first half when we uh, you know, we, we managed to get going and, and look really, really good. And the second half was one-way traffic, especially given, as we've all been saying, the selection issues. I thought it was incredibly encouraging. Uh, the negative for me today uh, was that we missed a great chance 
to put away a poor Liverpool side. Um, and that's that 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 sort of is annoying, really, because yeah. they're not all that. And we really could have got a little bit back on them. And, and we owe them, let's face it. So anyway, let me take you back to a happier moment in this past week, a Tuesday night in Marseille. They said we couldn't do it. Oh, yes, we could. We beat Marseille 2-1. It was another game of two halves, chaps. Uh, we're, we've been sort of going on about this a lot in the last few weeks. So, I mean, do, do, is there anything else you want to add to the two-half syndrome that has seems to have become a, a, a weekly discussion point, uh, you know, at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club? I, mean, I haven't been on for a while. I mean, it just seems to be a bit of a mystery why it's happening because I think various people in after-match interviews seem to say that it's not meant to be happening. I think I read a Doherty thing in The Guardian and he had an interview with him and he just said, um, uh, it's just the way the games have gone. Doherty says, we are not set up at all to just sit there and allow things to happen. So it makes you wonder, I think it makes you wonder why it did. But I think the one reason in this game that might have been is no matter, I just think it was a mindset game in this because we had two two outcomes, a draw or a win was good enough for us. And of course the game starts a draw and no matter what you think you're going to be doing, subconsciously sometimes you are just a little bit more thinking hold what we've got hold what we've got and we were I mean the bad thing about this first half was um we were just we just find it hard enough to transition from the first third to the middle third let alone the third third but um and I think something that else that backs that up is a, well I think something else that backs the mindset thing up is is when they then scored, they then reverted into our mindset of thinking, oh my God, we're through, we're through, we've got to hold on to what we've got. And we just then all of a sudden sort of thinking, well, we then started attacking them and thinking, where was this in the first 40 minutes or whatever? So it was a bizarre one, but of course those mindsets don't apply to league games. So I don't know where that leaves us. It's just a Groundhog Day thing. I'm not quite sure what's happening. I do think it's partly down to you can't play with that kind of intensity, with such a narrow, you know, such a slim squad that the manager trusts. So I, I'm sure some of it is um, is intentional. I'm sure some of it is trying to, you know, soak up a bit of the pressure, wear the, other, wear the opponents down and then attack. Um, I'm sure some of it is, yeah, keeping some of it in the tank for the next game. And it does make you wonder, you know, whether, you know, we if we can... You know, keep players fit for the second half of the season and reinforce in January whether we can you know play with that kind of intensity for longer in games because we'll be really dangerous. And, you know, again, you know, we just talked about that Liverpool game. You know, that that second half performance against most teams, you're gonna you're gonna score a lot from that, and, and people are gonna be you know teams are gonna find it difficult to live with you. And you know, actually, same is true of the Marseille game. We were we were excellent in that second half and a real handful. And um, it, you know, you can see teams really really rocking and and, and struggling to to keep the pace with us. But I do think you know, a combination of you know, the manager not really trusting a lot of his players and and, uh, and injuries has really taken their toll and it's kind of forced it on us. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I think a blend of what you're both saying uh, certainly counts for the first half in Marseille. Um, that that reluctance to push the envelope when you know it draws enough that seems to be a time on a tradition in football. That's you know we're not the first team to have gone into a game needing only a draw and and ten, you know played a first half tentatively. It's happened uh, that it keeps on happening to us is as you said Milo I think totally down to, to, to I think totally down to fatigue and, and, and mental energy again we've, we've gone on about this you know the mental energy necessary uh, to, to, to get through this particular part of the program is, is unquantifiable to, to most human beings let alone uh, for, for footballers it's unbelievable and I think it's a strain what's going to be interesting to see is is what happens in the second half of the season because you know we can speculate on this as much as we want and whether we're keeping something back and whether you know, whether Conte's timing our you know fitness for for the you know for the right moment to to push on and you know other teams have come out flying and you know may might run out of steam but you know it's all speculation we won't really know won't really know the answer till you know, march april i mean I, th- I think um now i kind of agree with the theory that that's the map might be happening but what the actual game-to-game outcomes are are almost like knife-edge games where you just think, "Oh, we're in trouble here. We're not going to win here. We're not going." So it's almost like you're kind of pushing things very close to the sort of edge, and you've not necessarily got full control over everything that's mm. kind of happening. So it's a bit—I I don't know. I mean, it kind of makes sense in a way. 
But that's also a very interesting point, Ricky, because you're talking about a man who loves to have control and, and, and actually works with having full yeah. control. And we're in a situation right now, uh, it, again, we're going back to football in general and the calendar and what you will, where he's grappling with his own need for that control versus the real life circumstance of minutes in muscles and what that does mm. and having to prepare for games, you know, we, we, every two days ago, having to sit there and go through, you know, entire screeds on a whole other opposition. That's a lot of mental uh, information for players to take on. So I think somewhere in there, sort of, there's a Bermuda Triangle uh, that, uh, that the first half of Tottenham Hotspur football matches seems to be falling into. I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's all of these things. I mean, you're right about the control point and you know, what's normally a kind of signature of a Conte side is not conceding goals. And that's, that's not been the case with us for a, for a little while now. That's, I think that's probably what he'll be most concerned about. I don't think he'll be too bothered about the first halves where, um, where we're sitting back. I think he'd be quite happy to absorb that pressure if we weren't mm. giving away goals, if we weren't giving away silly yes. mistakes. It is the lack of control that is bothering him. I agree. I would agree with that. That was one observation I had in the Marseille game, though. I think some of our let's defend and soak up pressure has been slightly kind of chipped away up because of the kind of problems we've had in defence with people being injured and the and the people we've been able to pick. So Absolutely we're just right. not quite as... I mean, if, I mean, if you're playing, you know, Romero, Dyer and either Longley or Davis probably, then you're feeling as though that solid base there's a kind of lot better. But um, And also if, if, let's say, we're not attacking as much, so the ball's just coming back more often. But... um. I don't know. It's just, it's just, if it's by, de- I mean, the other, th- I mean, to conclude, really, the, if it's by design, then at the end of the day, we can't argue we've racked up quite a lot of points in the league and we won the group in the Champions League. So, you know. Yes, as we said at the top yeah, we'll of the hour, top one, of the hour <laughs> to ourselves, let's, let's stop whinging. So let's stop talking about the game of two halves and indeed move to the joys of football, uh, especially uh, for us. Um, uh, you know, well, shall we say, you know, between Bournemouth and Marseille, we enjoyed uh, last minute winners, uh, post 90th minute winners. We've made a habit of a couple of those uh, special sorts of results in the previous few years as well. Are last minute winners the best thing in football, chaps? I think it's got to be close to be. Uh, it's got to be close to that, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, I suppose we had like the ultimate one with Lucas Moura in Amsterdam, which was just, you know, something from a different world, really. But... um that Leicester game last season. Yeah, oh, Leicester game, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. we get two of them in the last minute somehow. <laughs> mm. But um, uh, the only thing, I mean, the only slight negative I'll put on that is because I think I mentioned this to you the other week, Steph, that um, do you know when that creeping thing comes in about the um, about the uh, whole Mr. VIR, VAR might just take that slight kind of mm. shine off a last-minute goal because you don't want that to happen. I'm, I'm gonna... Like it actually did? Uh, for us, only a few days before our last-minute winner at Bournemouth. <laughs> you want to lose your mind unconditionally. That's what we want to do, don't we? I still lose my mind anyway. I think the beauty with that, I would say Marseille needed to push men forwards. And they're, they're a team that tends to overcommit going forwards anyway, which I think was probably part of the reason why we were sitting back anyway, because they're going to leave space for us to attack. But, um, yeah, I mean, they gave us all of their own half didn't they for that winner just beautifully taken absolutely beautifully taken the way i the way i saw that goal was i wasn't really even like hoping for a goal because i was just kind of nicely resting on the um uh, draw gets us through kind of thing but then when he actually scored it and then i kind of some of the other realizations of like oh we've topped the group and that makes you know who we might get a bit of an easier draw those kind of things and I think even look, I think even I think even Daniel was probably punching the air in front of Conte there because I think that was I think that right foot from Pierre was another one point seven million pounds I think in the old coffers so maybe so more. um you know we win another game we win three we draw two and it all looks like we we've done it quite respectfully in the end I have to ask each of you I mean. Do you leave your seat when you see a last-minute winner? Do you punch the air? Do you go caveman? Do you sit there with a satisfied smile and say, always knew it was going to happen? I mean, how do how do each of you react to these? We've had a couple of them, you know, recently. Air punching um, or just, you know, glad it happened? Just glad it happened, really, especially with Pierre's one. I wasn't like, you know, because it was just like a cherry on the top of the cake, Pierre's one, I think. But um, some of the others in time gone past. I mean, obviously, it's completely different when you're at the ground as well or an away game or something. I mean, you know, it must have been a hell load of fun at, um, down at the Vitality. So, um, yeah, I mean, that makes a big difference, I think. Yeah, a cheer. 
<laughs> yeah. You do I like a be... Tim Hemmen okay. fist pump. Do you do a Tim Hemmen fist pump? <laughs> I am. I am. I, well, okay. I mean, I must be in a minority. I'm off my seat, punching the air, usually screaming, fuck off or fuck yeah or great fantastic or whatever and the dog's barking and my yeah. wife's looking and saying oh you just scored didn't you and uh, i and i you know I, I i i go mental maybe i shouldn't be admitting this on air uh, anyway. no no i think you should admit it steph i think you should admit it and i think i this is what i was like alluding to i think this is i used to be a lot more like that but i don't know whether that weasley little ar is creeping into my head and just sort of slightly you know but if, but if you read the hand if you read the of, I know, but if you read the Handbaggers Journal, which I, of course, uh, like, I've probably co-written, if they take it away from you for whatever reason, legitimate or otherwise, uh, you then get a chance to go chuffing off and, and 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 jumping around the room about something else. So either way, you're getting you're getting getting your energy out. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm against yeah, yeah. joy thievery. I won't leave. I won't let these people thieve my joy <laughs> on a potential goal uh, on a potential disallowed goal. I won't let it happen. I can't. I can't. If that happens, football is yeah. dying. Football's dead to me. If that happens, I can't. I'll still always ride the emotional roller coaster. That being said, uh, the last sixteen joys tomorrow, we're going to be in for a lot more emotional roller coasters in the knockout stage, depending on who we get. Club Bruges, Inter Milan, AC Milan, RB Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund, or PSG. Chaps, who do you fancy? I mean, the banter draw is Inter Milan, isn't it? It is. Um, I think so. I've seen a lot of people saying that they fancy. Club Bruges, but they did nope. you know, really well in the group <laughs> stages. You know, they, they, yeah. you know Atletico Madrid fall, uh, fall, uh, finished bottom of that group, and you know, Bruges ran it close. You know, they could they could have um, they could have won the group. Uh, so yeah, I think um, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting revenge against Leipzig. Mm. Ricky, I quite fancy Club Bruges just because of well, we haven't played them before, and mm, it's a nice visit. As an away trip, it ain't far away, and it's a nice visit. That's right, I think. And we've done all the Milan, San Siro, you know, slums. But you do know, you do know that the um, if if we get that, then the clip of the uh, exactly you know, the Spursy clip from in Bruges is going to be is going to be everywhere. <laughs> the purgatory um, clip is going to be everywhere. Uh, it will. <laughs> It will, and in fairness, we'll probably make even more references to it if indeed that is the draw, because I know that there is an appreciation for uh, for that film and uh, and uh, that filmmaker is there, not Milo. We all we all uh, we all love we all love him. Oh yeah, 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 I love the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the PS the PSG draw is slightly worrying if we're still doing the kind of defending for the most of the first half. It's so funny. How it's so funny you said that because I'm thinking to myself actually. I think that this club needs to play a big club in the knockout because we'll actually show up and we'll actually put we'll actually not play it like it's a Euro, Euro, Europa League game that we think we can. Somewhere. But if we're going to give away gifts, I don't want to give them away to PSG. Otherwise, I think we could we could beat them. Actually, I've got a feeling that the it might be when Neymar's sister's birthday is. I, I'm pretty sure that that's when it is, and he, he's always he always has a mysterious injury, doesn't he, around that time of year? Yeah. So. Neymar might be out. There's a lot of talk about uh, Messi going to into Miami, isn't there? Yeah. So oh. maybe he signs a pre-contract in January. His his mind's on other things. Yeah. Oh. And then you've only got Mbappe on Royal, Royale. Well, it wouldn't quite be on Royale, would he? It would probably be on. Well, actually, it would be on Romero, wouldn't it? So that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. I, I I quite fancy I quite fancy someone like PSG just because I'd like to, I'd like to see what if we can take them. Otherwise, um, I suppose out of all of them, I'd probably say I wouldn't mind Borussia Dortmund. I think that's the sort of game. That, uh, no, no one's particularly great, but I'm I'm with you all. Club Bruges isn't. I'm so wary. I thought our group, the group we just got out of, I thought was actually one of the hardest groups out there because it was all you know what I would call top tier Europa League teams, none of which are particularly brilliant and none of which are particularly yeah. crap. And so it turned out to be. They're very hard games to focus on, I think, or concentrate. Because even though it's Champions League, you're not playing what you consider, you know, these players yeah. play to play the Milans and to play the PSGs, right? That's what Harry Kane wants in his career. You know, let's be yeah. honest. So let's play those games. Let's see. I mean, I would say that um, I was glad that we actually beat, because like you said, Steph, our group was so close and it just proved like what you were saying. And other pundits said that it was a very interesting group in how tight it could be. But I was glad that we got past Marseille because I just didn't think they were very good at all. There had no players, I thought, that were impressed me. And that's what was so annoying slightly about the first half because everyone was going, oh, we're just, you know, conceding the game. But I just thought, yeah, but I don't think that don't feel to me that they're very good. 
They haven't got players on, you know, scaring me. So we will find out whether we we get our selected teams. Just for the record, uh, I believe that I'm hearing a Club Bruges from Ricky, yep. and I believe I'm hearing yep. an RB Leipzig from Milo. And I, of course, have uh, have gone for PSG, which I, I, I'm sort of already doubting myself, but I do like them. They're a plastic club. Why don't we go for someone big? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Let's uh, Well, let's prove they're a plastic club by beating them. Let's knock them out. Let's prove they're a plastic club. Racing Club Paris is the proper Parisian club, isn't it? Not yeah. not PSG. Is this tomorrow? It's tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow at 11am, okay. I think. Okay. So by the time this pod's out, yeah. the whole of the last five minutes will be <laughs> you, you say worthless. If, <laughs> if we ever stop pontificating without the cameras on us, as we're having so much fun without being able to read facial language and so on, we're just going off audible cues it's it's it is it's the blind pass pod this is great now i know the joy that emerson royale felt in trying that he didn't execute it but we're <laughs> executing our job i will say that but uh as as you said milo by the time this pod hopefully is out we will know and uh not 48 hours later one of the major cup tournaments in in, in world football kicks off for us the league cup the carabao cup whatever it's called this year i think it's still the carabao cup Kicks off for us at the city ground because we're going there to play Nottingham Forest. Ah, you know, look, as you might have gathered, crazy season, lots of injuries, you know, minutes in legs, so on and so forth. So we wanted to take a few minutes to discuss this game. Chaps, how much of a priority should this be and who would you select? Milo, why don't you kick us off? This should be a really low priority and I would pick everyone who can walk who wasn't starting today. Pretty much. (laughs) I know it's going to piss off some people like you know everyone kind of gets hung up on how long it was since we last won a trophy blah 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 the next round of this is a handful of days after the world cup (laughs) final and it's I mean it's just fucking stupid that this competition's even going ahead this season for premier league clubs and yeah so I I would particularly you know now we've got through to the champions league uh, knockout rounds I would you know, I'd be you know putting out a team you know obviously you know you want to go through but you, I wouldn't be put, playing anyone who I wouldn't be starting anyone really who you wanted to start on against Leeds and if you're knocked out who cares um I've never kind of minded the League Cup because it's kind of quite it always seems quite quick routes to the final you don't really play that many games it doesn't ever seem much effort to get to a semi-final or a final and the final was like quite early in the year well I, pres- I haven't said that. I haven't got a clue when it is this year. When is it this year, Milo? Do you know the you final? Carry on talking. I'll look for it. Okay, mate. Um, and we've done quite well in this. And I mean, the only problem is we have the old um, two-headed nemesis of City and Chelsea that usually um, we come up against at some point. But luckily, they play each other in this round, so they're going to be one of them's going to be um, biting the other one's head off, and they'll be out. So um, that kind of clears the path slightly. Um, I agree with Milo, that whole World Cup business and playing three days later is completely ridiculous. Um, so that's a bit, you know, because I think we're the first game back against Brentford in the league anyway, the, with the early kickoff and Boxing mm-hmm. Day. So, um, and I wouldn't go any, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't push the boat out on the team either. I agree with Milo, you just got to get, I think Jaffet might get a game, Forster will get a game, Hiller obviously get a game and I don't, Skippy and all and all those kind of people. I mean, it just depends. I mean, even Kulu might get some minutes if it's just a matter of giving him another half hour and then he, we can definitely get him out for Leeds, hopefully. But yeah. Finals on February the 26th. Oh, so it's still quite early. That's similar yeah. to when it normally is. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but it's but it's usually a good old game against Forest. We've had some classic League Cup ties in the 90s and that against them. Classics. Um, Absolute belters. And yeah. And I went to the city ground early in the year, and they're they're a nice bunch. I think. Well, I say they're a nice bunch. I think they maybe were in a glow of a Premier League return honeymoon. I think so. They were all kind of quite cheerful, and it was August. But um, I think you're going as well, Steph, aren't you? So well, Ram and I are making a trip up actually. Uh, so, so it'll be me. Beautiful. Uh, be Ram and I. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I it'd be actually the first away game I've managed to get to since COVID because uh, the last one before COVID. It's a nice was, one to uh, go to. Was at Eastlands, was it Man- where the two-two at Man City, and it's yeah. obviously COVID and me living thousands of miles away and not getting back for as many games as I'd like yeah. to. It's nice that this is my first one back since then, and it's actually Ram's first away game in 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 quite some time. I think really? I'll let him talk about that uh, as well. But yeah, so there's going to be two very enthusiastic, uh, you know, glass half full jabber boys on the way up. So for that reason alone, uh, look, I, I, common sense. 
you can't be playing the Harry Kanes of this world in this game. You really can't. They need to have a night off. I mean, okay, leave him on the bench, give him 10 minutes. Maybe I, I wouldn't even do that. But, you know, I do want to see us approach the game seriously. And I want to see those those young players and, and kids and, and, and the likes of Brian Hill. I, I want to see us treat this uh, seriously and, and, and really go for it, whoever's on the pitch. But yes, you can't risk, you know, you can't risk your blue chip players because the three points against Leeds is all the more important at this point. But I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's just going to be a really good night out. And more than anything, I hope they play with the kids play with freedom. I think Forrest are also likely to play a weekend side, though. Their, you know, their league position is really perilous, and their priority is going to be staying up. So yeah. um, it could be our stiffs against their stiffs. It could be. And truth be told, if truth be told, if you did have Kulisevsky come on for 20 minutes and if you put Harry Kane on for probably 10 minutes, it might even be enough to. I mean, I know this is going to sound extremely arrogant and uh, I, I, I sort of apologize in advance for saying that. But if Forrest were to put out a week inside, it would almost be enough. But whatever. Let's just have fun. I don't know. Let's have a good so night they, out. They, they, they did sign about 56 players in the summer. Exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, and like... also I should actually I wouldn't I, actually <laughs> thinking I'm doubling down on myself or doubling back on myself I say all the time thinking about it if Serge Aurier plays this game you certainly don't uh, want any of our blue chip players there because it's written in the stars if if a World Cup going player comes up against Serge it's 50% more likely that something bad is going to happen not necessarily because I, mean, I don't think Serge would go for them but I think he's just such a random player and tackler and he might be a little more True. fired up to play against us because of uh whatever i mean the player i'd really like back is richarlison because that means we can give kane the night off which he desperately needs yeah. absolutely well said yes yep yep i agree Sorry. good well let's see what happens uh, you know i think all told chaps considering that we have done this a blind uh madely style i'd say we've done this pod madely style tonight is that a little too cheeky to say is that going to get edited out <laughs> can i get away with that no, we'll see. You, I'll you, say, you'll, have, you'll have to you'll have to wait and see, Steph. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I will because I can't see you. It's great. This is good. It's been a lot of fun, actually. I'll say it's it's been a lot of fun considering we can't see each other and we've been going off oral cues. Uh, thanks very much, guys. Uh, always good to catch up, especially in uh, in these circumstances. Good stuff. Good work. Cheers, Steph. Cheers, Steph. Have a good night, Wednesday, yeah. mate. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about, uh, the Forest and Leeds games, uh, that are coming up next week. And by the way, if you, dear listener, are at the lane for the Leeds game next weekend, listen up because there is a, the game is about glory meetup happening. And, uh, you hear a familiar voice in the stadium, say hello. I might even say that we might be catching a cheeky beverage after the game, uh, by the Beaverton underneath the park lane. If any of you so fancy try to figure out what faces might match our voices. <laughs> oh, there's a tantalizing offer for you, right? You're all, there's going to be floods of people now, lads, uh, coming to try and find us. That's in my. They'll never clear the stadium so quickly, will they? <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth of it. So, anyway, look, whether you rush to meet us and buy us beverages and tell us that we're your favourite pod or not, we would be really grateful if you could share how much you like our pod on social media. It really helps us pick up new listeners and grow. As always, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>